I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Stanton Forbes' bizarre retrospective tale of entanglement. If two of them are dead. Starring Earl Holland. Catherine Burns. And Nina Foch's sister love. Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by Eastman Kodak Company and Quaker State Motor Oil. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Depression years, a time of transience, a time when home was anywhere one spent the night. For Joe John Plunkett, home was a moving freight, rolling across the American Midwest. Or it was until he met Dorcas Kimball, 17, crippled and alone. Two young misfits in a ramshackle house, and a revival meeting just on the road. Nothing surprising for the time and place. But for Joe John Plunkett and Dorcas Kimball, the quest for salvation was destined to be a surprisingly dangerous proposition. If two of them are dead, we'll continue in a moment. Young I may be, but still I'm a man. Just turned 18 and I'll do what I can. Find me a place where I can be me. Get ready for life. Learn an exciting job and see the world. Call toll-free 800-841-8000 or see your Navy recruiter. Be someone special in the new Navy. I know that I'm going here. lay crumpled at the foot of the cellar stairs. Oh, I knew right away it was Dorcas's paw. And she'd sent me down here on purpose to find it. You must have seen Paul lying there dead by now. He'd be coming back any minute. Well, what else was I going to do? I couldn't just say right out, there's a dead body in the cellar and I don't know what to do about it. I had to get help somehow. And Joe John Plunkett coming up the road with Tippy yapping at his heels, he seemed to be it. I was just going to have to get Joe John to help me, whether he wanted to or not. 
some bad case of tuberculosis your pa has got. Guess you knew through your son lying there it was my pa. It doesn't matter who he is anymore. It's my pa, all right. What happened? I reckon I killed him. Didn't mean to. Well, <clears throat> thanks for the meal. I'll get along without the bed. You go, and I guess I'll have to set that deputy on you. I'll have to explain how you aren't my cousin at all, how you came around begging for work, and my pa took you on because he wasn't feeling well, and you killed him. Uh, what am I supposed to have killed him for? This thriving trade you're doing in wooden statues of Uncle Sam? There's money hid in the cellar. It's mine. But I'll say you found out and killed Pa for it. Well, you sucked me in good, didn't you? What are we going to do with him? You can't just dig a hole in the ground and throw him in like a dead horse. You think you can get away with this? There ain't nobody who's going to miss him. Well, you must have been one hell of a daughter. I hated him. I didn't mean for him to die. I wanted to go to Sister Love's meeting to pray. I asked for forgiveness. But I didn't feel nothing, nothing at all. Well, you managed to get me into your trap real good with that sister love business. That deputy's already got me pegged to somebody who hits first and thinks about it later. I had nothing to do with that. You did that yourself. But I could have still used the same story since you're just a stranger here. Yeah, well, when you're a stranger, you got no chance at all, all right. Everybody's against you right off. So what are we going to do with it? My pa's body, I mean... What do you mean, there's nobody to miss him? I mean, you got no kinfolks at all? There's just Pa and me, that's all. Ever since Ma died. What about your neighbors? Oh, Mrs. Buttleford down the road is all. She never comes near our place no more. She hated my Pa, called him a whiskey-breathing devil. If she thinks anything at all, she'll just figure he finally drunk himself to death. Well, what about some old friend of your Pa's that might show up? If there was any, they'd think the same thing. I thought didn't have no friends, only somebody to get drunk with now and then. He doesn't know anybody any money, does he? Nobody give Pa credit. How about the people that come here to buy these statues and things? I mean, you got any steady customers? Nobody ever comes more than once. Anyway, I always wait on the people who come. Pa stayed in his workshop. Yeah, well... There's somebody you haven't even thought of. This isn't a game... Who is it? The census taker. Only he don't come but every ten years, and he was just here a while back. All right. Give me a shovel. Let's get it over with. I want to change my clothes first. If I did it in this dress, I couldn't ever wear it again. And so when I got. Well, go ahead, but let's hurry up, will you? We can bury him right there in the cellar. It's got a dirt floor. It'd be kind of like one of them mausoleums, you know, like they have in cemeteries. Of course, I can't put up a tombstone or anything like that. Maybe I can plant some flowers by the cellar door. I really couldn't figure her out. She just killed her father somehow, and now she was worrying about planting flowers by his grave. Just then, she sounded like a scared little girl. Maybe that's all she was, all she'd ever been. Let's go, I'm ready now. Brought along this old quilt to wrap him up in, make it easier to handle him, I figure. 
Well, I figured that was one weird manner of figuring. First, she kills her old man, leaves him lying there for who knows how long. Then she wants to wrap him up like some kind of a birthday present. I figured it was bad luck and big troubles. Joe John Plunkett style. That wasn't daisies we were planting. If I went ahead with this thing, I'd be taking part in what amounted to murder. Looking for a car that's easy on gas, easy to buy, and yet has the luxury you want in a car? Look what we've done to our Mustang 2. It's the all-new economical car from Ford. The right car at the right time. Built even smaller than the original Mustang. It has an easy on the gas four-cylinder engine, rack and pinion steering, tachometer, four-speed transmission, plus a beautifully appointed interior. All standard. Luxury plus economy. That's Mustang 2. Mustang 2, $28.95, excluding dealer prep, destination charges, title, and taxes. See your local Ford dealer. We'll return to our story in a moment. When they change a plane flight, I check to see if another is just as good or better. Fred Underwood, Kansas City postal worker, probably knows as much about airline schedules as the airlines. I want to give that extra service that goes with airmail. So I move it just as fast as I can to get it out of here. And airmail is moving. Now you can almost always get next-day delivery to cities up to 600 miles away. And two-day delivery anywhere in the country. Just mail by 4 p.m., use zip code, and mail from a specially marked airmail box. When I started here, it was all propeller planes and trains. And back in the post office, mail was handled the same way it had been for years. Now there's jet planes and zip codes, and airmail's really going places. Airmail and zip codes. They speed everybody's letters. If you don't know a zip code, check your phone book or call the post office. Help us help you. Use zip code. Well, I thought it over whether or not to help her out. I sure didn't feature getting mixed up in a murder. But I decided it was something I had to do. Now a dead man's got to be buried. His body isn't stiff. I thought it would be. Does it get stiff like I've read about and then get soft again before it starts to rot away? Oh, you shut up. I'm just nervous, that's all. Looks plenty deep to me. Yeah, well, the deeper the better. Ain't nobody ever come down here but Pa and me. And I won't ever want to come down again, knowing I'd be walking on Pa's grave. Just shut up and let me dig in peace, will you? Okay, I'll shut up. I had something else to think about anyway. The money. I hadn't been lying about that. I did have money hidden in the cellar. I could look at a place on the wall and know just which brick it was that was loose and had the money hid behind it. I couldn't let my pa find that money. He'd have spent every cent of it on liquor and I wouldn't have had nothing left. Nothing in the world. My great aunt Nadine had given me that money when she was dying. Come here, girl. Don't be afraid. 
How are you feeling, Green Aunt Nitty? Uh, I'm done. Cancer. Eating me up. I remember now how the room had smelled like slow death. My pillow reached under my bed. And I pulled out a little beaded purse and seen what was inside. Shiny gold pieces. Three hundred dollars worth turned out. Now, don't let your pop. They've been Great Aunt Nadine's last words. Okay. You don't have to give me a hand with him. What? Just help me get him under this quilt. Then we can just slide him into the hole. All right. No, I'll handle his head and shoulders. You just lift up his legs. Okay. Now, help me ease him down. There. It's done. The worst of it's done. You're not going to start crying for him now, are you? I'm crying for him. It's my leg. It's hurting and you hurt me for a long time now. All that's left now was just to come up that open dance, and I did that fast enough. And I remember that homeboy I come down for in the first place. Before we went back into the house, I made sure I had a couple of bottles of it under my arm. Only first, as soon as I got back into that kitchen, I filled the sink with water and stood there for a long time, washing my hands. You want me to fix you something more to eat? No, I think I'll just try some of your Paul's medicine. Then I guess I'll go to bed. I've never felt so tired. Yeah, it's been a long day. Good night, Joe Joan. Thank you. I couldn't remember going to bed or falling asleep, and I had no idea what time it was the next day when I finally woke up. I only knew that I woke with just one thought. I hoped Joe John Plunkett was gone. Gone for good. I didn't need him anymore. I didn't need anybody. Anybody here? Sorry to keep you waiting. Hush, Tippy. Oh. Uh, oh, forgive me, dear. I, I, I wouldn't have acted so impatient if I'd known you were handicapped. I was just changing my clothes, that's all. And I thought somebody else was here to answer the door. Now, my husband and I were admiring that large statue of Uncle Sam you have out there in the yard. Uh, how much are you asking for it? Large Uncle Sam's two dollars. Forget it, Marie. But seeing he's a little faded, I'll let you have him for a dollar and a half. Oh, well, what do you think, George? Jim Cracks. Oh, worthless, if you ask me. Now, George, Hetty Burns has got a little wooden statue sitting in the middle of her petunia bed. Looks real smart. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll uh, take him off your hands for a dollar. Well, that's uh, giving it away. But all right, it's too hot to argue. <laughs> Pay her, George. Get it in the car. I want to get someplace for a frosted root beer for a melt. Thanks, mister. Don't thank me. Off with a bucket and a half. Thought you'd taken off for tall timber by now. 
I could have had some breakfast coming. Don't worry, I'm going. Hey, you got the mess of eggs. Yeah, I'll do them. I already put the coffee pot on. Where are you heading? Just as far away as I can get. Me too, as soon as I can. The money you got hidden in the cellar. I imagine you could go always on that. Hmm, you ain't forgot about that. Nobody forgets to mention the money. Look, you don't have to fret about me. I mean, I don't figure it's enough to walk over anybody's grave for. That money's mine. It's got nothing to do with Paul. Of course, you'll have to go back down there to get your money. Though you did say you'd never go there again, didn't you? I said I won't ever want to. Well, I'll just have to, one more time. Is that why you killed him? Because of the money? You couldn't understand. You didn't know him, what he was like. How it was to be stuck here all alone with him, never knowing what he was going to do next. Gorkers! You hear me calling you, girl? I know you were down here. I seen you flipping across the yard with your skirts flying. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, girl. Getting too old to be running around showing yourself the way you do. Got that bad leg, but there ain't nothing wrong with the rest of you. And you better watch yourself or you're going to wind up in bad trouble. You leave me alone. Hey! Ain't no way to talk to me. I'm your pa, remember? Leave me be, pa. Now, now, girl. I ain't going to... Get away from me, pa. I'm warning you. Oh, it was so bad when you just get away from me. Huh? You could have gone to the cops if your pa was mistreating you. I thought of doing that. One once. But I couldn't. Couldn't have my own pa put in jail. <laughs> so, you, so you just killed him instead, huh? My heart bleeds for you. You want more coffee? No, I'd settle for a cigarette, though, if you had one. Then I'm going to hop the next freight out of here. There's some bull Durham in the cupboard if you can roll them. I can do anything when I have to. You ought to know that. Well, wouldn't you just know it? Here comes trouble, huh? We got company. Your favorite sister just turned off the highway. I don't have no sister. Oh, yes, you do. She rides around in a big black hupmobile. You mean? Yeah, I mean. Sister Love. And she's coming this way. Judy, do you remember what I told you about all that high-speed turnpike driving you're doing now and all that power equipment on your new car? Yes, Caleb. About how they can make your engine so hot that the oil thins down so it may not protect your engine? Yes, Caleb. Now... How do you tell if your oil's too hot? Just watch the temperature gauge. Nope. That just shows how hot the radiator fluid is. Oh, I know. When the oil's too hot, that little red light goes on. Nope. That just tells you the oil pressure's too low. Well, how do I tell if my oil's too hot? Fact is, you can't. Then how do I know my engine's protected? Make sure you're using quality oil, like Quaker State. 
Quaker State specially made to stand up to high engine heat so it can keep right on protecting like an oil's supposed to. Is that the reason you always recommend Quaker State? That's one reason. Quaker State, your car, to keep it running young. The Zero Hour continues after this. The best pollution-fighting machine in America is right at your fingertips. And that means pointing out pollution whenever and wherever you see it. Like that smokestack you pass every morning that's always spewing smoke into the air. Don't close your eyes to it. Take a stand. Point it out to someone who can do something about it. It'll make you feel a little better and America look a little cleaner. People start pollution. People can stop it. This message brought to you on behalf of Keep America Beautiful and the Advertising Council. here for, I was sure it wanted to thank me. She'd said her thank you last night, and I still remembered that look of resentment in her eyes when she said it. Good afternoon, my child. She looked different than the way she looked under the lights in the tent. She was younger than I thought, but still not really young. Older than Joe John, I reckon. And she looked more real, not like a queen anymore. She had on a fancy dress, a lot of ruffles and ribbons. May I come in? I reckon you came to see Joe John. He's in the kitchen. Could I wait in the parlor while you get him? Oh, sure. You sit there on the Davenport. I'll go tell him. Bless you, my child. So what does she want? To see you, just like her sister. She's waiting in the parlor. Yeah, well, you just let her wait. I'm going to finish my cigarette in peace first. I suppose I, I ought to offer some tea or something. <laughs> How about some of your pa's homebrew? Well, that's not as funny as you think. You've seen the way she's dressed? Well, you don't expect her to go around in that purple preacher's robe all the time, do you? Never mind. You just get in there and find out what she wants. Why don't you? I'll bring the tea. As you can understand, Mr. Plunkett, traveling around the country as I do... Incidents such as last night's are bound to occur from time to time. Of course I don't like to have such unfortunate souls as that poor man arrested and placed in jail on my account. In fact, I had Brother Love go right into town and put up bail so he could be free to go on his way. Yeah, you sure that was smart? He could come back and make trouble for you. Exactly. Ironic as it may seem, people do not always appreciate being saved. Indeed, they sometimes resent me for trying. I can understand that, all right. Oh, and that's why I've come to ask you to help me, Joe John Plunkett. Me? What is it that you want Joe John to do? Goodness, child. I thought you'd gone off someplace. I fixed you some tea. That's very kind of you. But if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to Mr. Plunkett privately. This is my house, not his. She's right, you know. This is her house. And I kind of like to hear the answer to that question she just asked you. 
Seems I never know what people are likely to ask me to do next. We will be leaving directly after the services tonight. And I want you to come with us. As my bodyguard. Your bodyguard? Twenty dollars a week. And your room and board. He can't. Joe John's working for me. He's going to run the jigsaw. I'm going to pay him $25 a week. You're staying here, aren't you, Joe John? Well, if the money's not enough, Mr. Plunkett, I... No, I, uh... No, the money's okay. It's more than I'm worth. No, thanks. You have other fish to fry? It ain't like that between Joe John and me. It ain't like that at all. Oh, child. I wasn't insinuating anything. No, I, uh... Look, what I don't see is why you're so set on me joining up with you. I mean, that don't make sense. I'm a bum. I mean, don't you know a bum when you see one? You don't have to be a bum. Oh, yes, I do. I have to be. I mean, I'm made for it. I work at it. Some people work for success. I work at being a failure. There are people like that, you know. Sit down, Joe John Plunkett. Look, don't think you're going to try to convert me. Sit down, I said. As a matter of fact, I was only testing you. Testing me? I wanted to see what you were made of. In my profession, as you know, I deal with a lot of weak people. You mean cripples? Mental cripples. People who come to me begging for help. People who could help themselves, but they won't. They come to me looking for the easy way, something magic and quick. But to help people, no matter what, isn't that wonderful? Of course it's wonderful, child. That's my purpose in life. My burden and my joy. But it hasn't come easy. I've worked hard, striven ceaselessly toward my goal, to reach as many people as I can. And now I need help. Help that I can't get from a weak man. I need your help, Joe John Puckett. And yours too, child. What's your name? Uh, Dorcas, Dorcas Kimball. But you said this was your house? Is there anyone else living here besides you? No, nobody else except for Joe John. Why? Why? Because this place is perfect for what I have in mind. Oh, now, finally we cut bait, huh? I have a mission. I can do good in this world that no one else can do. I have a message that is the power and the glory, and I must be heard by everyone. And I've chosen the two of you to aid me in my mission. Well, how? What do you want us to do? I want you to kidnap me. <laughs> You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. When the SS Hope drops anchor, crowds gather to welcome her. For all over the world, people have heard of this famous hospital ship. They've heard about patients being healed. They've heard of doctors and nurses who have learned new medical skills from the staff of Project Hope. But most of all, they've heard about the people of Project Hope. People who are willing to leave their own land and go to a remote country to do what their hearts tell them must be done. To work seven days a week in unfamiliar surroundings with limited equipment. The people of Project Hope spend part of their time on shore with the people of every country they visit. They teach and they learn. They leave behind a vast store of medical knowledge and they bring back a better understanding of the people they've served. Help Hope live on. Send your contribution to Project Hope, Room A, Washington, D.C.
Once upon a time, there was a beautiful forest where everything was all lovely and green and peaceful. Sunlight fell in ribbons of daylight through its trees. Birds flew in a quiet air above it. Deer and rabbits found secret hiding places to play. For it was truly a beautiful place. And then one day, into this beautiful emerald forest, a new creature came. A creature called man. A man brought with him fire to warm him against the night. Only with his fire, man did not bring caution and the fire got away from him suddenly. And the beautiful forest was no more. And yet there might easily be a different ending. For if man is careful with his fire, he need never say, once upon a time, there was a beautiful forest. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense. If two of them are dead, I'm Rod Serling. Today's episode brought to you in part by Eastman Kodak Company and Quaker State Motor Oil. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to the Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Thank you.